Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What's up, Lightweights? Today's guest, one of my favorite bands from Albany, New York, Derek, the lead singer of State Champs. Hello. How are we doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Feels good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for saying yes. I've, I've been listening to you guys since the this album, The Finer Things. Yep, yep. And I did a deep dive into it again last week. Still remember every single lyric, every single song, and... Seriously, you guys are one of my favorite bands. Dude, thank you so much, man. Especially since it's been, I mean, this is the, this year is the 10-year anniversary of that album, too, which is crazy to kind of full circle moment it and, like, know that you, like, started listening to us back then. It's special, man. Thank you. And you guys are doing the When We Were Young Fest. When We Were Young Fest next year, because uh, it just got announced, sold out immediately. And we did it last year as well, the first year that they had it. So it's cool that they asked us back. And this time, doing the album in full. It's going to be cool. That's their whole festival this year is they're doing albums in full correct? everybody has to play an album i guess they like we didn't get to pick that album they picked it for us they were like will you play the finer things in full so we were like yeah man absolutely sounds great and then i saw once they announced it everybody's doing an album pretty much everybody's doing their best album maybe there's a couple bands where i'm like eh, i kind of wish they did this other <laughs> just as an opinionated like biased fan music fan but it's going to be a long day of awesome music i'm excited what kind of deep dive are you going to have to do to relearn your lyrics dude i already thought about that well it's funny because next month um, we're doing the 10 year anniversary shows for the album in New York City. We're doing three sold out shows at LPR in Manhattan. And I'm already like, I need to go listen back to the, every song in the car, make sure I don't forget lyrics. I know I'm going to. It's going to happen regardless. It just, I hope it doesn't happen too much, you know? Do you think the rest of the guys in the band are going to have to relearn everything as well? We've talked about it a little bit, and everyone's like, Everyone needs to be held accountable to go back and be prepared for these shows. But they're important shows to us. And a lot of these songs, honestly, we have been playing consistently through the years. There's maybe just like four or five that like we're like, oh, those are deep cuts, man. I got to make sure everybody remembers how to play them. Do we need to like change them in any way to make them sound cooler live? And I need to study up on lyrics for sure. But it's going to be exciting, man. It's cool. Ten years. It's a special thing. What do you think a festival like When We Were Young does for the music scene? Because I know you've been... You're you're like a, a music geek like me where you've talked about those senses fail 
uh, CDs and they have those DVD bonus and you're like, what? what is this? And you get so pumped on it. You remember those moments and I was the same way. I think it's great for the music scene what a, a festival like When We Were Young can do. It brings back such nostalgic vibes, but it also kind of brings in a new generation of music fans as well and keeps this stuff alive, I think. So whether it's someone that's been a fan like this forever, you've got fans that are now as old as you and I, bringing their kids to a festival like this. So it's like, it's crazy. It's almost like a circle of life in the music scene. That sounds super weird, but it's really cool, man. And it's it's cool for someone like me too, where it's like, do we even belong on an ad mat or on a festival lineup like this? Because it's all of my favorite bands that I grew up on listening to. And all of those albums that are being played next year when we we're young are CDs that I still have with those bonus DVDs. And now I'm just going to be like, backstage seeing all of those bands and they're filming new stuff too and now some of them are friends of mine now some of them we go on tour together now it's such a crazy feeling but it's like it's exciting and i think it can do nothing but good things for the scene has anyone been over and above beyond your expectations of what you thought they'd be like the first one that comes to mind and i think you've had him on the, the podcast is pierre from simple plan um, Simple Plan was one of my first favorite bands and like I punish them a lot now because we are friends and we've done numerous tours together even like right before the pandemic or maybe right after no before the pandemic we did a co-headline tour State Champs and Simple Plan all across the US and that was such a surreal moment for me and I had to punish them I had to fanboy out I was like let's get one thing straight guys you were my first CD that I ever loved, and it was my seventh grade alarm clock sitting next to my bed that was, I woke up, it was seven. <laughs> and I like, they were like, cool, man, let's be friends. So I was like, okay, okay, <laughs> we just got to get that out of the way. Um, so, yes, they were a huge inspiration, still are, and are now are still like, now are some of our closest friends that we get to play with, play festivals with, tour with. Um, Newfound Glory is another one. Fall Out Boy, guys are great. We just did an arena tour with them a few years back. Um, Let's see, Bayside, uh, Senses Fail, um, The Starting Line. The Starting Line is probably my all-time favorite band, so now that we play shows with them sometimes and see around, it's still all these surreal moments that like still inspire me and make me want to keep doing what I'm doing. But it's just cool to have friends like that that support you now. It's fucking wild, man. What's it like doing a arena tour with Fall Out Boy? That was crazy, man. That was really, really cool. We did, about the, we did like the back half of their Mania tour for the Mania album, and it was us. Fall Out Boy and Machine Gun Kelly, actually. But it was before Machine Gun Kelly turned into a rock star. Before he started making rock music, he was still in full hip-hop mode. So he, we, we became close with Machine Gun Kelly as well. Did he show you any new tracks that he was working on? He was talking about that he wanted to start making rock music at the same time that he started watching us play every night. So I joke around and say, state champs turned Machine Gun Kelly into a rocker. <laughs> uh, but that's not not exactly true at all. But uh, it's cool to you know have seen that happen too. And I think that's another thing that only helps the music scene as well. But the Fall Out Boy guys were really cool. They kind of like keep to themselves a little bit. They all have like their own like uh, dressing rooms like separated from each other, and they all do different things. Like their drummer is like big fitness nerd and just has like a gym in his one is his dressing room. Pete Wentz is just like playing Fortnite with his kid in the other one, and we would like play video games together. And then like Patrick is like scoring movies in his studio dressing room. They're all like completely separate, but they're all really really nice. They're lovely guys, and we had a blast. Do you prefer to perform in a small club or an arena? There's like pros and cons to both. I like the big shows, especially the big festivals and huge crowds, big arena shows that mainly will either be supporting a band like Fall Out Boy or something where it's like we have to win these fans over and we have to like really give them a show and turn them into fans. And I like that challenge. And that's kind of a cool like adrenaline rush. But there's something cool about 
the rootiness of a small club like packed in stage dives crowd surf circle pit and stuff where it's like we got them this is what we know how to do and we're the best at it so that stuff it's nice to go back to every once in a while for instance these the finer things 10-year shows the capacity for those shows in the club is like 800 people so like that's going to be a nice back to the roots moment for us and it's the first time we're doing no barricade at the shows where there's no gap between me and the fans. So they can like come up on stage, jump off stage. And we haven't done that in like eight years. So it's gonna be a, a pretty wild time. We gotta keep it safe, but keep it fun too. Do you get to pick that at the venue? Yeah, we did this specifically. We had to pick a certain venue that was gonna let allow us to do that, you know, because you can't do that at like, you know, Hollywood Palladium, for instance. You can't do that at Terminal 5 in New York City. You gotta find a smaller, punky venue that'll let you do it and be able to keep it safe for everybody as well. So it's gonna be uh, chaotic, but controlled chaotic, if you will. <laughs> After I was listening to a lot of podcasts or interviews with you as well, there's a lot of thought process behind what happens in every move. And at the end of the day, you guys are a group of four or five people. Yeah. And everything, there's a cause and reaction for everything. So even deciding if you want to do tour support, deciding what venue to do, it really alters the entire experience for the fan. So when you were talking about doing different tour supports and like, do we really want to be performing in front of these people? Can we win them over? Were there any tours that maybe you kind of, the 2020 hindsight where you shouldn't, it was a little harder to win people over? Sometimes I think there's some of those things I think not to like put any specific names out there But sometimes when we do say a headline tour um, We have to pick who do we want to open for us that'll bring in other types of crowds too And a lot of times we're like well we can bring as many younger or newer pop punk bands that sound like us And it'll bring in those type of fans right that we know are going to be receptive to us But then on a couple headline tours it's like let's try and bring out maybe like a different sounding band like a heavier band or like an indie band or something that's going to bring some newer people in but are they going to be that receptive to you are we going to be able to win them over are they even going to stay for our set are they going to just leave and we've tried some of those things with different style of bands maybe we brought out some heavier bands more like metalcore like hardcore bands and stuff like that and maybe it's worked a little bit maybe it hasn't but it's okay at least we took the chance with that sometimes we've done it with indie rock bands or like festival like cool hipster type bands and like sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but um to answer your question too we don't really get to pick you know who we i mean sure we get offers for bands to open up for to support whether it's us taking on a tour with um newfound glory or yellow card or something like that but then we've also supported bands like a day to remember which have some pop, pop punk elements but they're also like heavier too so are they really going to be receptive to us that aren't as like edgy and like have the heavier like components to us? But I don't think we've ever like missed the boat completely. I think we're always able to win over at least a portion of the fans and that's got us to where we are now. So it's like we got to take that as a W, you know, at least a little bit. When you get these offers to open for other artists, is the contract pretty general? Like you get paid a certain amount for regardless of who it is. You're allowed to put however many merch tents. Um, how does that work? Yeah, it's different for every tour, but there is usually a laid out contract in place. It's like, here's the offer for this. You know, here's what we want to pay you. Here's the stipulation, how long your set's going to be. 
typically is you know if we're doing a support support set support tour opening for a band maybe they'll offer us 45 minutes and maybe it'll be like 50% of what we're normally going to make as when we do a headline tour or something like that. Can you but negotiate it can all, that? It can always be negotiated sometimes, but sometimes if you ask for too much, they'll be like, okay, fuck off. And like, you know, so that's what I mean. You don't want to like ask for too much. And luckily we trust the people that work for us and our agents, our labels and management to kind of handle that. But ultimately we still have to say, do you guys like this idea? Do you guys like this offer? No, but we could be entertained by it if it gets to this number, you know? So, there's the political side of it I like to stay a little bit removed from, but we're never going to do something we don't want to do, you know? So you are pretty involved in that decision-making? When it comes down to the decision-making on the yeses or nos, or we want more, we're not, or that's not enough, yes, totally. But I, I don't want to be the one on the phone calls being like, listen, man, like, we need more money. No, we don't do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's to my agent. <laughs> you know? Have you guys ever been robbed on tour? Yes, we've been, it was a long time ago. One of the first times like we ever got like robbed is when we were like driving ourselves around the country, like back in the day, when, before we were really even making much money, luckily. Um, yeah, we were in Canada. We were in Montreal, Canada, where we like, our van was broken into and like there were passports stolen and MacBooks stolen and cash and wallets and stuff. Um, we didn't have a lot to begin with, so for anything to be taken from us, like we've held a grudge with Montreal ever since. We never, we almost said we would never come back, but that's unfair to our fans that actually like us out there. So we have been back since, but we're always gonna have that spot with uh, with Montreal. Like we'll be like, all right, we gotta have extra security out here now. But I mean, now we're in buses and stuff, and in bigger venues and more established, so it's not the same. But back when we were just, you know, I think we went through like three or four vans that we bought with our own money before we were really an established band before we were making money driving ourselves around the country and yeah that was one of the in in instances that could have maybe just made us be like all right maybe this isn't for us man that's one of those like deflating things that happens and it's happened to a lot of bands a lot of other friends of ours but that's always a tough thing but we prospered we prospered through it you know? did it make you almost want to quit not necessarily maybe in that moment right but then after it's like okay we got to check ourselves here and we were still so I mean, obviously we're still motivated today but I think something like that was almost like it almost in a way like brought us closer we're like we can get through this together like let's figure it out what do we need to do because we have some hype right now we were so young still I think I was like 21 or 22 when that happened so we look back on it as like a strengthening thing I guess that happened it sounds cheesy but it was it was a real thing at what age did you start the band so we started in 2010 and that was the year I graduated high school. So I was like 17, yeah, 2010. So now it's been 13 years, that's crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did you put out that very first album you guys sell? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking we could pull one of the best autographs in the game, but guess what? With zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. What I love is the display of the available cards, the hit rates, and the grading. Arena is a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, and with Arena Club slab packs, they're revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform
platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash lightweights. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's $40 right there. Anyways, go to arenaclub.com slash lightweights for 10% off your first purchase. This episode is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning platform available on desktop or as an app, and that it truly immersifies you in the language that you want to learn. Maybe you have an upcoming international trip or you want to connect with a family or a friend. I know a lot of people who want to learn a new language just to pick up a new hobby. I can personally attest to this as I used Rosetta Stone when I went to Italy for my honeymoon. It helped me brush up on the Italian that I learned back in school and I was able to get through the land and speak the native language. It made it so much more fun, plus my wife loved it. They're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish. There's no English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language. Plus, there's lifetime membership and access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off a steal. Don't put off that language learning. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Lightweight's podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language learning courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. It's the Joe Guarantee. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Um, not this one. This was the one the, before the, this. The one before that was called. It was called. Apparently, I'm nothing, and that was like two of our first demos put in together as one album. I guess we try not to call it an album because it just wasn't that good. Other, our, some of our fans like it, obviously. But yeah, that one we put out ourselves. It's the only thing that we own 100 percent of. This was the first album, the finer things. Um, that was under a record label, under Pure Noise Records, who we're still with today. Actually, we've been with the same record label now until now 2023 and we're working on our fifth album right now so that's pretty wild too that's really rare to be with the same label it is and obviously we've had certain contracts with that label where it's ended and we've taken other offers like taken other meetings and sat down with other labels some major labels and stuff we always end up back with pure noise records they've they've taken really good care of us we've had such a good uh, relationship with them and they hold us as a priority so it's like everything has gotten sweeter as it goes along and you know we have a little bit more budget more money to spend on things so we can do cooler stuff around the album promotion stuff marketing stuff and yeah we're super happy with it can you take me back to that day when you found out you were being offered a contract Dude, it was crazy. We, I used to send demos and song ideas before we had a, a record contract to so many labels, Pure Noise being one. And he and Jake, the owner of Pure Noise, he was a one-man show back then. It wasn't a very established label. He was the only one that would ever reply to me and be like, 
this is cool, man, but I think you got some work to do still. Send me the next one. So I would do that. We'd go back to work. We'd make new songs. And it took one song that in particular that I sent to him, and it's on the finer things. It's a song called Critical that I sent to him. And he immediately replied to my email and was like, what's your phone number? I want to get on the phone call right now. And I was like 17. Or no, I was 18 maybe at the time. And he got on the phone and it was like, it happened so fast. It turned into, what's your address? Who else is in the band? Um, do you guys have jobs? Are you guys in college? Because if you have a job, I want you to quit. If you guys are in college, I want you to drop out. You're going to buy a van. You're going to drive yourself around the country and we're going to give this thing a shot and I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for you to make an album. He wasn't going to pay for us to buy a van. That, we weren't that good yet. <laughs> uh, so that's where it all started. And I remember being ecstatic and it was a weird thing with some of the guys in the bands because you know, everybody's parents had a different opinion about it. We were so young. So like some of us were like, you know, for instance, my guitar player, Tyler, he was like a junior in college and he was about to finish. Like, you know, he's going to graduate college, but he had to drop out at the time. Some of us, I think, stayed in and was like working on the road doing like, you know, um, what the heck is it called when you're like remote? Yeah, just remote school stuff. Um, but I just dropped out. I was done. I was in art school for graphic design, but I was like a freshman and I was, I was so over it. So I dropped out. And we were just so excited to just play and see where it could take us. And I mean, God has got us to here. So must be must be, no regrets. Needless to say, what was that first tour like? The first tour, we probably would like we're so excited, but playing to like five people everywhere around the country, like maybe with a couple other bands from our area. I don't even remember what our first like real tour was. We used to do these like weekend tours around New England. It was great being from upstate New York, where we're from, because you can drive maybe only like an hour or two and be able to play in another major city, whether it's Boston or New York City or, you know, there's Toronto, Montreal right there. Buffalo is there. Syracuse. There's so much packed into the Northeast. So that was a blessing for us, as opposed to maybe being a younger band and being from the Midwest or like from California, even you can't, you got to drive a long way to get to these bigger areas, you know? So that worked to our advantage. I think the first place we really got popular was in the greater new England area. When we would go out of town and play Boston, when we play Connecticut, New Hampshire, like it was all right there and it was all, it all started to blossom out from there. You know, would that discourage you when only five people were showing up? Honestly, no, for some reason it didn't. I don't know why, but like we would be stoked just to be in a new town. That was a few hours from our hometown to play for the other bands and their girlfriends. You know, like we were still excited about that for some reason thinking about it. I'm like, that's crazy. But it only took those people to tell their friends and those girlfriends to tell their girlfriends. And like, it just slowly built it and like it, built up to what it is now i don't know how it happened it took a long time but at the same time i'm like that feels like yesterday man so it's just a wild process i don't know how we got here did releasing that first album really push it over the edge for you guys to for people to care i think that was when it first started hitting when we put out the single leading into the rollout of the finer things the song called elevated is the first song on the finer things we put out a music video for it and i remember just what i was refreshing twitter all day and like seeing new comments making new fans the followers coming in i'm like this i'm gonna chase this feeling the rest of my life uh, this is all i want to do and then i think the year after that was 2014 where we did our first uh vans warp tour that was probably the first time where it really shot through the roof and that's when we started to be like oh 
this could be a real thing. Like this could, that's when it turned into a career, I would say, or a career path at least, 2014. What time slot did you get when you started playing on Warped? Dude, we were on the smallest stage on first Warped Tour. It was called the Kevin Says Stage. It's where like basically some newer, newly signed younger bands get kind of thrown a bone. And it's like, here you're gonna get a shot. You're not gonna get paid much, but you're gonna do it. And the finer things had just come out, so the hype was happening, and we could see it. The crowds were getting bigger every day. We were playing early most of the time, but it's random, you know, for every stage. Some days we'd play late, some days we'd play early, but we were on the tiniest stage. Had, like, zero security. But it, that year, there was three bands that were really just coming up at the time. Us, Neck Deep was another one, and another band called Beartooth. We were the three bands that there was something happening, and we were, but we were new. Nobody knew about us until that summer. So they needed to hire more security because there's too much crowd surfers. And like they were like, you guys, you're too big for this stage. So we were like, hell yeah, we're too big for the stage. This is so cool, man. What are they going to do? They got to move us to the main stage now. It was a really exciting time. 20, 2014, pivotal year for state champs. What was your craziest warp Tour memory? Craziest warp Tour memory? Can you just talk into the... the oh, sorry, man. Sorry. I keep... Yeah. Craziest warp Tour memory was probably... I think two years later, we did 2014, 2016, and 2018. When we came back the second year, 2016, was when our second album came out, Around the World and Back. And it was the first time they asked us to be on the main stage. So that was like probably just that whole summer in general, being a headliner on Warp Tour, playing you know on the same stage as Yellow Card and Newfound Glory and Four Year Strong and The Story So Far and all of my favorite bands and influential bands. The barbecues after the festival every night where all the bands hang out and party together, meeting so many people, all of those influential, like, you know, superstars in my eyes as a kid are now friends of ours. We're playing together. We're hanging out. We're eating dinner together. We're waking up together in the bus lot together. Nothing specific. There's probably, I'm sure, plenty of things that will come to mind. But that year specifically was just another turning point that kept the ladder moving forward every single year, you know? Did you get any great advice from anybody? I mean, a lot of great advice came from certain people. Um, you know, one in particular that I come back to is like Joel and Benji from Good Charlotte. They've always like been ones to reach out and kind of be like, you know, this is such an exciting time for you guys, but make sure to kind of like stay grounded and this and that. I have both of their phone numbers. Call me if you ever need anything, advice on this, touring stuff, my advice on taking a tour, on taking this deal, doing like certain headline tours, certain venues, this and that. They've always been ones to kind of like look out for us in every way. Those They've been uh, very cool to us. Yeah. You did the five seconds of summer tour in Australia? Yeah, that was a crazy one too. Why was that so crazy? It was wild because I think that was like in 2015 and we didn't know much about Five Seconds of Summer. Obviously, they were like blowing up as this pop rock boy band, whatever you want to call them. But we hadn't met them yet or anything. We were out in L.A. recording and writing our second album, Around the World and Back. And uh, I think I got a DM from Callum from Five Seconds of Summer. She's like, hey, man, love your band. Um, we're having a party tonight at our house in Bel Air or something. And like we, we, none of us had lived in LA. We didn't really know anything about the social life of Los Angeles or anything like that. We're like, yeah, man, let's do that. So that was how we met. We just went to their house, hung out, and I met a bunch of people uh, for the first time there, like 
Travis Mills and like Kellen Quinn from Sleeping with Sirens, a bunch of like Mod Son and uh, just a uh, big exposure. It was like, oh, this is like bougie LA celebrity life or whatever. Um, they were like, oh, we're going on tour in Australia and we don't have an opening band because whoever was supposed to open can't do it anymore. Would you guys even consider maybe doing this with us? It's already sold out. It's every big arena in Australia. We're like, yeah, I think we could do that. So, <laughs> but they were like, oh, we probably can't pay you much. Like, doesn't matter. We'll do it. We'll do it for negative money, just for the exposure. You gotta say, you can't say no to something like that. But we weren't a band that knew anything about playing a big show like that, playing to an arena. We we weren't even using like in ear monitors yet, where you can hear yourself sing and play in your ears. We had to have those like wedge monitors that are only made for like smaller venues, where they play back to you, where they play back at you. But Derek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so when you hit the snare, for instance, on my drummer behind me at those you know, 20,000 capacity arenas, it would go, ka, 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 ka. So everything was like slapping around and we couldn't really hear ourselves, but we didn't care. We were so excited to be like playing to these new fans and the five seconds of summer crowd was just super receptive. The lights would go out before we go on stage and it was the loudest screaming noise ever. And we'd have to like plug our ears while we're walking out on stage. We would get chased around town if we walk around, even though they didn't really know who we were. They were like, that's the opening band for Five Sides. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Get him and run after <laughs> us. Um, we had never, ever been through something like that, but we had such a good time. Got so close with Five Seconds of Summer. We still are good friends today. And uh, yeah, we owe a lot to them for that. That was really, really cool. When you do a tour like that, from the business perspective, do you guys feel like you have to get back out there as soon as possible? Yeah, I think so. I think that was a huge part of it. It's like, okay, go do this support tour, supporting Five Seconds of Summer. As soon as it's over, put tickets on sale for your headline tour that happens next year. And that's what we did. And we came back. And I, th I think the next year after that, we probably came back as a co-headline tour with us and Neck Deep. And it sold out immediately. Both of us were pretty hype bands, but everyone coming to those shows, I remember doing meet and greets and stuff. I, I only found out about you because you opened for five seconds of summer. And now you're my favorite band. And I'll come to every single show that you come back at Australia for. It's those things where we're like, yes, it worked. It paid off, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. You, it, you never really think about that. Like when you do that tour, you have to like from the fans perspective, it's like, oh, sick, they did this. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, they have to be coming back. It only makes sense to, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, after diving really into 
the other interviews that you've done, you really put that cool perspective of like how much thought process there really is into like crafting this. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of things like that where it's like, like I still hear it to this day, fans that come to our meet and greets that are some of our diehard fans now when we go on headline tours. I remember the first time I met you was when you were on that tour as the first out of six bands on all, uh, on All Time Lows tour or on Fall Out Boy's arena tour. That was when I even first heard about you. I knew no songs. Now I know every single song. And that's when it's like a real fulfilling moment, you know? Was there a specific moment you really noticed you guys were getting the traction? I would say... Obviously, like I said, early days, it was like, you know, when we did our first Vans Warped Tour. Then when we did the second one, um, I think that was like the first time I said we were headlining. But the traction really, once I started to notice that it was consistent, right? I think right after that second Warped Tour, we started doing consistent. Every year, we would do one big headline tour surrounding an album. And I think when we did our 2017 headliner, it was the Around the World and Back Tour. And we did every continent as a state champ show. And that was when I was like, oh, it's just as big in the UK and in England as it is in the US. So now that we're starting to gain traction and it's only starting to build in every continent, every country consistently, you know, and that's when I started to be like, oh, the, our biggest city that where we sell the most tickets isn't Boston or New York City or Southern California anymore. It's London, you know, and it's still like that today. Now, like that, that's that was a moment where I was like, oh, this is where the real traction is. Like when our biggest city where we sell the most tickets is in London, England, as opposed to anywhere in the US, so far away from the US. That was a big one for us. You know, when we started doing, I think our biggest headline show we've ever sold out was at a, at a venue called Roundhouse in London. And I think it was like 4,000 tickets. And that was just a state champ show. That was a huge one for us. We're like, okay, like now how do we build on that? What's the next step? I don't, we don't even know. So it's cool to like kind of reset and be like, what's the next step to the ladder? Like we got to keep setting goals and keep trying to achieve them. So like what's, what's the bigger, how, how do you go bigger from that? You know? I just got chills. Yeah, it's so cool. How do you calculate that that town in the UK is going to be a successful show for you? Is it a gamble? I guess it can be, but I think it's st- it was still a slow process. You know, our first time ever to England, whether it was 2013 or so, we played like to 250 people as a state champ show. And then the next time we'd go back, we'd try and do 700, you know? And then the next time we go back, let's do two nights at the, uh, whatever it was, Canish Town Forum for that's 1200 tickets, but we'll do two nights. And then it turned into, okay, let's do one big show at Roundhouse in London, in Camden. All right, let's go for it. See if we can sell 4,000 tickets. And we did. And it was such a, a fulfilling thing, such like a, Okay, let's sick. Let's go. What's touring in the UK like versus here? Do you have a bus over there? Are you guys in a van? Is it harder to travel? Are the shows way further apart? They're actually way closer together because everyone thinks England is big and it's not at all. It's like the size of New England, like in America. So you only have to drive like an hour or two to get to every show. And it's like a completely different set of fans. Completely new market. Yeah, I think so. So it's it's pretty cool. You can't do as long of a tour in England. You can probably only do like a week or two weeks tops because there's just not that many cities. But then if you want to do Europe too, you can then go out and do France and Spain and Italy and Sweden or whatever. But the UK is probably our favorite place to play. It's like some of our craziest shows. The biggest difference though between touring there and in the US is in the US we do a tour bus obviously. The UK we also do a tour bus, tour bus but it's double decker. So the top floor of the tour bus is all the beds and like a big lounge and the bottom floor is like 
kitchen and bathroom and shower and like another little TV area. So it's cool. And you can split it with other bands since there's some, there's probably like 18 beds on a bus like that, or maybe sometimes more. So sometimes we split it with another band and it becomes more of like a party hangout thing throughout the whole tour. We've done it with, um, we've done it with the story so far. We did it with, we are the in crowd. We did it with, who else did we do it with? Heart attack, man. We always try to team up with some of our buddies as bands. Cause then it's like sick. We get to just tour together and hang out every day on a bus traveling around Europe in the UK together. It's really cool. Why do they not have that here? Probably because overpasses are too low. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think they may have just started doing that, but it's like a super normal thing in Europe and the UK to have the double decker bus. It's like, and it makes it feel like you're in a foreign country because you're in something like that. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. How expensive are tour buses here? So expensive. It sucks. <laughs> Every, we talk about it so much. If we were to still drive ourselves around in a van and like play normal tours like we do now, we may lose our minds and break up, but we would make 10 times more money at the end of it. Buses cost so much money. Like we're talking like, it's the difference of if you drive yourself in a van between doing it in a tour bus, probably like 30 times as expensive, you know, it's crazy. That's why <laughs> You gotta pay a bus driver and the bus driver has to get a hotel room every day to sleep in because then he drives overnight to the next city while you guys sleep in the bus. And then you gotta pay for all the gas for the bus and then you gotta pay Obviously, all the people that work for you, your tour manager and your guitar tech, drum tech, merch seller, photographer, videographer, whoever else you want to have on tour with you. Touring is expensive, but more money, more problems, right? So can't complain. <laughs> What's something the average person doesn't know about a band your size? What's something the average person doesn't know about a band our size? I think a lot of people like think we're just like... Sure, we have like a platform and popularity and stuff like that, but in no way are we like A-list celebrities that are just rich living in mansions out here in LA. Like I'm very fortunate to like have moved across country being from New York, now living in LA. But I don't think, I, I think it's not all like glitz and glamor as much as everybody thinks. It's not as like, you know, I'm not just like a member of NSYNC now or like Justin Timberlake, like shining as a celebrity. Sure enough, like we're happy and like happy to be doing what we've been doing for whatever, 13 years now. But it's still a grind, man. Sometimes there's a lot of decisions to be made and it's not as easy as everybody thinks. But first world problems. I'm not going to go complaining. But yeah, it's not as easy as everybody thinks. How many albums do you guys have out now? Four albums. We released our fourth one last year, working on our fifth one now. Do you still get nervous releasing every new album if the fans are going to enjoy it? Sometimes. I think, I think, honestly, it gets harder every time you put out an album. It's like, well, people liked the last one, and we think they liked it more than the one before that. So now we're working on our fifth one. Now we have four albums to beat instead of three, then two, then one, you know? So, but I think it's cool pressure, and it's a cool dynamic to have to one-up yourselves. But more than anything, being a band as long as we have now, I think we think more about pleasing ourselves than we do the fans. Obviously, we know that we, we want to please the fans with our tours and production and the experience that we're going to give them. But as far as the music we put out, we've found that if we just put out stuff that we enjoy, that we're proud of, the fans will follow and they will they will agree and they will like ride with us on that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You started the writing. What are you guys doing this time around? This time around has been a pretty cool process. We actually, yesterday, I just got back from, we spent a week out in Joshua Tree. We went out to the desert, all four of us in the band, got a house, set up a little makeshift studio, and just had a little team building like experience. It was really nice. And I had never been to Joshua Tree, by the way. I was looking for an excuse to go out there. 
we had a nice little week. We went, like pool and hot tub and like, you know, we each had our own rooms, but then studio gathering area where we would just spend all day. Like, what do we think about this? What do we think about this? And just kind of chip at song ideas, little jumping off points. It was really, really fun. We rarely get to do that because we don't live in the same states anymore. Me and my bass player, Ryan, live in L.A., my guitar player lives in Ohio. My drummer lives in Connecticut. So we don't have band practice anymore. We're just not that kind of band. Before we go on tour, we'll do little rehearsal days, but we never get to sit down and just jam and think about ideas for songs. So that was really special. We came out of that last week with about 12 song ideas that now we get to be like, what are the ones? Or can we combine some of the ideas and make a record? It's really exciting time right now. Can you break that down for us? Is someone there recording it? Are you doing it? We're there writing the ideas, but we actually brought our buddy who is our front of house, our sound guy with us. That was like our engineer for the week, our producer for the week. So he would record our ideas and mix them and make them sound good while we're in the other room or I'm outside by the pool writing lyrics and someone else is in the kitchen working on little riffs and lead ideas on guitar. It was a really cool process that's going to like, and we documented it all. We filmed a lot of it. So we'll be able to show the fans a lot of those behind the scenes moments. It's the stuff that I grew up loving to see. Uh, we talked about that before. Bonus DVDs and stuff that go along with the release of an album fans love to see that stuff i still love to see that stuff so i'm excited to show the process after the album comes out which will probably be top of next year or something like that would you say these are crappy demo type stuff that then you'll show another producer and really create the song definitely right now they're not like pop what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate what about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply polished song ideas at all we wanted to we wanted to quantity over the polished sound we wanted to make sure that just the song ideas sound great in our heads right now it doesn't matter how they're recorded as long as we're excited about the idea for the song those ideas will then take to a producer that's going to actually produce our album in full and we'll take his opinions to their opinions and actually make them sound like state champ songs that's that'll be the next step we're probably going to do that at, um, at the beginning of 2024 do you have an idea of who you want the producer to be? We have a, we've narrowed it down to a few. Um, it's funny. We've done a different producer pretty much for every album we've done. And I think it's come down to a couple ideas yet. I don't want to use any names yet, but uh, there's a lot of cool names being thrown around, and we're excited to narrow it down. 
Yeah. And it's, it's going to be on, it's on Pure Noise? Yeah, this will be on Pure Noise as our fifth album. And uh, yeah, it's funny. We don't know what the album's going to be called yet, but we have a lot of cool song name ideas that we're like, oh, that could be a cool like album name. It's right. It's this time we're like, are we going to look back and be like, oh, that was when we figured out that song name or that album name? Like, it's such a cool like early stages, but crunch time, if that makes sense. Does everyone have their own tasks now that the Joshua Tree trip is over to really create more and add on to it? Yeah, I think so. I think now it's making us more motivated after doing that little team building week in Joshua Tree for us to be like now remotely sending ideas. Hey, I added to this song. Or I took that idea and refleshed it out. What do you guys think of this? And we'll be sending each other Dropbox links. So we'll be sending each other voice memos of like scat. La, da, 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 da. I send that all the time. Just like, what do you guys think about this? And it's they're like, dude, this is just you with the shower running, singing some bullshit into your phone. I'm like, yeah, but it's good, man. It could be something good. There's no right or wrong way to come up with a song idea. There's no right or wrong way to get to the finish line of a song. And I think there's a beauty in that, whether it starts with four big name producers in a room and here's how we're going to go about it or if it starts with me in the shower being like oh hold on and I have to turn off the water and grab my phone and sing yeah I've got more secrets than you'll ever know or whatever and then send it to the guys and that's the cool thing to remember about what happens when an argument goes down on the bus um, you never know what can happen when an <laughs> argument goes down on the bus it's so funny man we've been doing this for a long time and spending Regardless whether they're your best friends or your worst enemies, when you send, when you spend a month or two months on a bus together, you're gonna find a way to hang out and love each other like brothers, and then you're gonna find a way to argue and get at each other's throats like brothers as well. And we totally do that. A lot of times, it just needs to be like, okay, everybody break it up and just go to your bunks and lay down, or separate yourselves. <laughs> and then you guys all walk <laughs> to the back together. <laughs> yeah. Or we all go into our little bu coffin bunks and shut our curtains and just be like, see you tomorrow or whatever. Um, we've been pretty good about hashing things out in the moment now. I think we've had ups and downs with that. Whether it's like, okay, you're not, you're having a bad day, and when someone's having a bad day that can and they act a certain way on it we're 10 10 guys living on a bus together and like it's it can ruin the whole vibe or morale of the tour and so i think we've checked each other on it and been like let us help we're all in this together man like let's talk about things talk about problems whether it's personal or stuff that's in a bigger picture with the band and the business like we're not going anywhere we're not hanging it up anytime soon let's talk about these things and find a way to prosper as brothers and as a band and uh it's gotten a lot better over the years i think when we first started doing it and doing the bus tours there were egos around and there was arguments and opinions all over the place and we are four completely different dudes that like have totally different mindsets totally different tastes and opinions and likes and dislikes so it is hard man we are not i envy rappers and solo artists so much <laughs> But uh, we've grown to find a process and find a rhythm with, you know, those conflicts within the band. And it's only helped us. It's only let us uh, grow closer, you know. Have you guys ever had a moment where you almost wanted to call it? I think so. There was definitely a few. I think the pandemic was probably the hardest thing where every band couldn't go on tour, 
couldn't go do what we do half of the year, six months out of the year. All we know is touring and how we make our money is selling T-shirts and selling merchandise at the shows. That's our biggest form of income. So not being able to do that, it's like, can we even exist? Can we make it through? And how long is the pandemic even going to be? We didn't know. So that was a huge time where we were like, and obviously it brought a lot of like, negative thoughts and you know d depression sets in mental health was a huge thing through all that so we had to find a way to be like what can we do that's different to stick together and make it through this so we started doing a lot of online stuff a lot of like live streaming and broadcasting we were huge using twitch heavily and like we would like game we'd play acoustic online to our fans and that kind of grew us closer and made us more motivated to get through the pandemic get back to playing when we can that was definitely probably one of the darker moments for us. So we were like, is this ever going to end? Are we just about to hang it up? Should we all find other career paths, whatnot? I'm so glad we stuck together and found ways to connect with our fans remotely over the internet. That was such a huge tool and then made it through and were able to get back to it. You know, that was, that was, that was a cool time. What was songwriting with Mark Hoppus like? Mark Hoppus was very intimidating at first, but he was really, really cool. He wasn't even supposed to be writing with us. We were doing an album with John Feldman. He was our producer at the time. What album? Um, Living Proof, it was called. It was our third album. And uh, one day, John was like, hey, Mark is coming over. And he's got to drop a guitar off to me or something. Did you know who Mark was? Yeah, and uh, I was like, you must be talking about Mark Hoffice because he had just recorded, he had just produced their album California right before ours. So Mark comes over. I don't think he even knew who we were. He's like, oh, State Champs. Yeah, I've heard of you guys. Who's the singer? I'm like, it's me, I'm Derek. And he was super nice. He was like, let's go outside and write a song. Just right then and there. He didn't ask, he didn't want any money. He didn't want any like credit for anything. I mean, he does have credit on the songs that we did together, but it was just very spur of the moment. Let's go out by the pool and sit around and write a song. I was like, hell yeah, let's do that. And as we're writing lyrics and talking about life, I see, I look over and he's scrolling on his iPad, looking through our like Wikipedia page and stuff, like researching the band. And he was like picking my brain and like busting my balls a little bit. He's like, oh, who's, who, who's this name? Like, why'd you kick this guy out of the band? Past members and stuff. He was just like trying to get me riled up or try to maybe trying to get fuel for a song. Who knows? And that's what we did. We wrote a couple songs for that album together, uh, Dead and Gone and another one called Time Machine. Oh, I didn't know he did Dead and Gone. Yeah, he did Dead and Gone. Yeah. That was really, really cool. All in one day. We wrote two songs in a day, and then he was just like, peace. And you guys never got back together to keep going with it? It was just, that was, you did everything that day? We taught, yeah, we just did that, just that one day together. And in that one day, he also laid down a vocal track that is on Time Machine. He sings on that other song, Time Machine. Um, yeah, that was a crazy day. And from that, he was like, I'll be seeing you guys again. We were actually supposed to go on tour together. It was supposed to be Blink-182 and State Champs on a tour back when Matt Skiba was still in Blink-182, but it was a tour where um, Travis Barker got hurt right before the tour, so it ended up getting canceled. We were so bummed about that. Um, so they owe us one, if they're watching. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll be waiting to get that other yeah. opportunity. Mark's a big fan, <laughs> so I know he's Yeah, he's I know, right I know Mark's an avid lightweight watcher, so uh, once he sees this, yeah, we'll be waiting, man. <laughs> Have you done any other songwriting with other people you really looked up to? Because I know, I feel like we've had the same list of bands that we both love like starting line census fail all the drive through record stuff like, yeah man um is there anyone else you did songwriting with that you were so nervous or pumped about honestly when i first went in to do the song we have a collab song with simple plan called where i belong that was a cool one where we brought in um 
it was me, Simple Plan, um, Zach Servini, and uh, a friend of mine, Andrew Goldstein, who's a big songwriter too. And that was the first time I'd ever written with Andrew Goldstein, and he's like one of my favorite songwriters in the game right now, working with every pop, rock, indie, like all, all different types of music, and we, I'd wanted to write with him for a long time. So I was a little nervous about that, but I already knew him a little bit because we are friends, but we had never been in a studio together, and I was excited about that. And, it, and, and he made it very cool and very like uh, – easygoing and creative space for us and we came out with a great song so that was that was a cool one did you listen to his old band friday night boys friday night boys i yeah i think i used to go to his shows back in the day at like little vfws in new york and stuff that's so funny yeah. when he because uh, i saw you at the main last week yeah and he was at the show he was standing next to us the whole time and the entire time i was talking to my wife i'm like i gotta say hi to him i gotta say hi to him did you nope you didn't <laughs> no oh, i wish i was there i would have just been like hey <laughs> because i saw him once before he was walking in a neighborhood that i was passing by so i rolled down my window i'm like andrew i love your band so <laughs> he'd be like cool <laughs> literally that's what it was yeah when you guys are doing the songwriting are all four of you guys in the room at the same time listening and like are you guys all present um, sometimes I think um, with me and Ryan, my bass player, being out here in LA now, there's a lot more opportunities um, for us both to just kind of go in the room. But if they're out here, yeah, we could all be in the room together. Like I said, there's no right or wrong way to go about it. So sometimes I'll just come up with an idea by myself, um, whether it's with another producer or an engineer. Ryan will do that too sometimes. But when it comes time to actually do the the bulk of a record yeah we all all four of us get in the room and it could start with a little lyric idea it can start with a little guitar riff everyone's just kind of jamming as one and like in our own heads until someone goes oh that was cool let's work on that you know whether whoever came up with something that somebody else liked and i think we'll just be like okay everybody stop what we're doing how do we make that cooler what's the next part to that and that's when i start to geek out and get really nerdy about it i'm like sometimes i get like a little bossy sometimes but that it needs to get there because otherwise we'll just sit around and just we'll all be playing and like think that like we're getting anywhere but we're not so sometimes it takes someone to be like wait that was cool let's make a song out of that because otherwise we all just love to play and we love to just like riff around so you got to kind of like smack smack somebody's ass sometimes and just keep going you know like build it into something yeah to wrap it up if you could relive one moment over the past 13 years what would it be hmm if I could relive one moment. You know what was really, really cool? When talking about the second album that we did around the world and back, we had a, a friend of ours film the whole year of touring, of album process, of releasing, warp tour, festivals and things, and we filmed it for a documentary that came out. And we did a big premiere for it. And it was such a fulfilling thing. After the album was over, the year of touring was over, and it was probably the the pinnacle of as big as our band was was at the time. Um, we did a big like documentary movie pr premiere at Los Feliz Theater here in LA, and it was packed to the brim, and fans were there, and photographers, and it felt like something like like we were real movie stars at the point. But it was like a big celebration of the year of filming everything, doing all these festivals. That's one thing I would like to relive. All of our friends came out, the Five Seconds of Summer guys, some of like our favorite photographers and producers, and LA friends, actors and stuff came out. Um, that was a big celebration and just to see that overwhelming like love and response and like um 
gratitude towards what we do. It was really, really cool. That was one thing I would go back to. Sweet. So new album, Top of 2024. Yeah, we're going to record it in Top of 2024. I want it to come out by the end of summertime next year, and I'm excited for everybody to be a part of the next chapter of State Champs. I'm so pumped. Yeah, man. Cool. Guys, go check out State Champs. There'll be a link down below. Go follow Derek. And if you can listen to any album. Any of them. There are four. Soon to be five. <laughs> soon to be five. Go check them out. Guys, thanks for watching. And leave this uh, video a comment and a like. And I'll see you guys later. Let's go. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for coming, Derek. Thanks, man. Lightweights, out. Cool. Sweet. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.